0: have some fire claw No, Bethany, those are Christmas lights. I believe there's a hero in all of us.
1: You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero, ma'am. A
0: real-life superhero.
1: The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready
0: to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three, this, two, is, one. The Real Brian Show.
2: Show. Woo! Yeah, it's the final episode of 2016. Not that there's been that many yet, you know, this year, but, uh, well, you know, it, it's the start of something huge. And I mean, absolutely huge. You don't believe me? Well, stick around and find out. All right, so today I'm going to be chatting with an amazing guy who is a hugely accomplished concert pianist, but yet only has one arm. What a story. I mean, absolutely what a story he's going to be sharing. So, I have so much random crap for you this week as well. I've got to share a test that I just did. I thought that was very interesting. Hilarious, actually. And joining me today, too, is The Flash.
0: Do you hear it? It's a funny squeaky sound.
2: Let's rock it! It's The Real Brian Show Christmas Edition! Woo! All right. Well, like I said, man, we're going to have fun today. Lots of stuff going on. I'm The Real Brian. Thank you so much for joining me today. A lot of fun stuff here and and really just going to kick right into it. Just a reminder, you got to join me on the Facebook group because we want to have some fun. I want to talk to you. I want to hang out with you. Like I said, not just talk to you, but with you. So, you know, the links will be in the show notes. All you got to do is go to realbryanshow.com. Look for the latest podcast episode in the blog posts and all of the amazing, amazing stuff that Emily writes up. The links will be down at the bottom of the show notes, but I'm just going to give it to you in a way in case, you know, you're an auditory learner, facebook.com slash groups slash real Brian show. Come join me. It's going to be fun. And a reminder too: taking next week off. So the week of the 26th, you know, with Christmas and New Year's, we're taking a week, giving everybody some time down to uh, hang with family and friends, hopefully do something fun and then returning the first week of January. As you know, I love this time of year. I love Christmas, gearing up for it. I mean, this this whole month went very quickly, even though I know it's not the end of the month yet, but just things have really flown by. But a lot of really cool things have happened, and of course, you know, I got to share them with you.
0: I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it.
2: Uh, hi, who are you? Buddy the elf, what's your favorite color? Uh, blue, why? Who the heck are you? I'm the real Brian. Oh my God! I know him. I know him. You actually
0: know I him. I love you. I love you. I love you.
2: Wow. So, okay. You know who I am and uh, you, okay. I walked
0: all day and night to find you.
2: Okay. Well, man, every single week, for some reason, someone just seems to show up here to the Real Brian Studios. So, okay. Welcome, Buddy the Elf.
0: This place reminds me of Santa's workshop, except it smells like mushrooms.
2: Uh, actually, I think it smells like Christmas. There's a cinnamon candle right there. You see that smell smell that and
0: looks like a Christmas tree.
2: uh, That's because it is a Christmas tree, right? That's my Star Trek tree. I'm a nerd. Oh, I know that, buddy. You got to see this, man. These are some of the original Star Trek Hallmark ornaments, all right? But they're probably worth something now. So I don't know. Maybe I can. uh, Anyway, I had to have a, you know, my Star Trek tree separate from the main tree. Yeah, you know, we like to embrace our inner nerds here. Speaking of that, what do you nerd out about?
0: We also try to stick to the four main food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup.
2: Okay. So sugar, that's cool. I like sugar, but have you seen the new studies out about sugar? How harmful it is for us? I was, gosh, there was a movie. I don't remember what it was. It was kind of a documentary, sugar documentary. Anyway, yeah, it was pretty convincing. Man, I tell you what, the dude that put it together was just talking about, you better lower sugar intake because- he's a liar. No, actually, I think he's telling the truth. There's a lot of studies to prove it. Does someone need a hug? Too serious? So, no. good news. I saw a dog today. Yeah, that's Delta, my dog. You stink. You talking to my like beef and cheese? Hey, buddy, are you talking to my dog right there? You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? So, buddy, couldn't help but notice your festive costume. Oh, it's not a costume. I'm an elf. Right. So, why did you stop by
0: today? First, we'll make snow angels for two hours, and then we'll go ice skating, and then we'll eat a whole roll of Toll House cookie dough as fast as we can, and then to finish, we'll snuggle. Well,
2: it's a thought. I mean, I'm totally up for the cookie dough part, but all I have right now is coffee. Can I try some? Of course, man. Very generous of you. I roast my own coffee, by the way. So what do you think? That's some Chinese coffee right there. You
0: did it! Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. Oh,
2: yeah, I well, I appreciate the compliment. I mean, I'm not sure it's the world's best cup of coffee, but I... No,
0: it's the world's best cup of coffee.
2: Uh, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I, I, It's good. I mean, it's Chinese and wow. I mean, I, w- I was talking about it, but...
0: Oh,
1: I forgot to give you a hug.
0: Oh.
2: I appreciate that.
1: Hello, I am c 3 Human-Cyborg Relations. Why are not? I beg your pardon? You're a fake. you know, mophead, like you would be stupid enough. You sit on a throne of lies. Impossible, man. What
2: the heck is going on? Does
1: Santa know that you left the workshop? I don't know what all this trouble is about, but I'm sure it must be your fault.
2: What? What the frack is going on right now? And why, buddy, are you smiling so much? I
0: just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite.
2: Why are you staring at 3PO?
0: My parts are showing. I didn't know you were naked. How dare you? Sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. I've
1: just about had enough of you.
0: Now, Son of a nutcracker! You watch your language. Actually,
2: I think it's time for us to wrap up because, you know, I've got a lot of other stuff to do before this show gets too long.
1: No! That malfunctioning little twerp. This is all his fault. Did you hear that?
2: Yeah, I think he's mad at you for some reason. I don't like you either. Wow.
0: cotton-headed ninny-muggins. I know, buddy.
2: I still need to say goodbye and keep going on with the show.
0: Where do you want me to go? I don't know. And don't let me catch you following me, begging for help, because you won't get it.
2: You know, I have absolutely no idea what just happened here, or if I'm hallucinating this entire thing, but... Okay, so what piece of encouragement would you like to leave us with before I kick you out? Best
0: way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear.
2: Wonderful. Thanks, buddy. That's that's great. Uh, 3PO?
0: We're doomed. What? We seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. That's shocking. I gotta go. Oh, I, I, I'm terribly sorry. I, I didn't mean to intrude. No, no, no. Please do get up. Hey, wait a second here. I have to verify something. Is this the real Brian? Or is this the shadow of your former self? What?
2: What is it with everybody just like popping in on me? I mean, what's going on? Who is this? Well, this is The Flash.
0: Flash.
2: Ah, Wow. Um,
0: (laughs) That's not quite the intro (laughs) I usually go with, but...
2: (laughs) That was awesome, though. (laughs) Wow. Two Canadians in two weeks. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I feel honored.
0: Are you starting to favor us a little bit or something? Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I do like Canada. I've been up there a few times, uh, mostly to Vancouver, but that's about as, yeah, I think that's actually all I've been to is that area.
0: Well, Vancouver's like known as uh it's known as Hollywood North. So,
2: Oh, okay. To answer your question, is this the real Brian? Yes. Is it a shadow of my former self? I like the pun. <laughs> uh, it, it is the shadow of my current self as well. Mm. Or is it? Or is it? Hmm. But you are Martin, the flash you hail, like I said, all the way from, from Canada. And I love this because was it TV talk that we, uh, we met, we connected or whatever you want to call it.
0: It was TV talk. And what was that? Four years ago now, actually right. connected
2: through TV talk arrow mm-hmm. and uh, you were one of the listeners and, and like loyal weekly Colin, which was awesome. And uh, now, you know, friends, we, we got to hang out at Dragon Con and, you know, not not anywhere else in person, but, you know, we, we game together and you're also a podcast host now. And this is great,
0: man. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I owe all of that to you. Really? Right. See,
2: this is the amazing thing about podcasting. And, you know, people talk. It's so funny. People talk about, um, you know, how, oh, my gosh, technology is just screwing everything up. And you know what? In many ways it is. I'm going to be honest. But in many ways it is mm-hmm. absolutely amazing we, we, I think you and I hang out more than I hang out with a lot of people and locally. <laughs> so, not intentionally, it's just kind of the way it works, you know?
0: Well, and that's, that is the great thing of technology nowadays is because you have a chance to meet people you wouldn't otherwise meet. There, there's no chance you would have met them 20 years ago. Yeah, that's true. And it allows us to,
2: yeah. That's pretty cool. It's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, you've but, been, uh, well, you been, well, I, I got to say, you do this and also my, uh, my, my, sister and I'm doing air quotes here. My, my sister, um, you guys both do this. It's so funny. You'll listen to the real Brian show and you guys just start messaging me in real time.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, well, so it's like I'm having a conversation with you. Yeah, but it's one side. It's just me. You don't, you don't know I'm talking to you.
2: Well, I hear, I mean, I read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate it. It's funny. Cause you said, is, is this too much? And Kim asked the same thing. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is great. I love this. Like this, <laughs> this helps me out and it's fun. And
0: yeah. So thanks for doing that. That's fun for me too. Yeah. You just, I mean, you put on such great conversations and you have, you have such amazing topics that I get excited listening to you and I want to jump in. And that's, that's why I'm messaging you because I want to be part of it.
2: Well, I appreciate that. Cause I'll tell you what, it's <laughs> sometimes <laughs> coming up with the real Brian show. It was like, I know what I want to do. And then I got all of this advice saying, no, that's not a good idea. I listened to it and then I stopped listening to it and here we are. And here we are. I think it was a good idea not to listen to that advice because, you know, everybody's different, right?
0: And and this is your show. This is what you want to do. So I think you have to piece together what your dreams and hopes and desires are made of for for this type of podcast show. So Totally. Don't don't listen to other people. You do what you want and then you'll know <laughs> if it if it succeeds or if it doesn't succeed. Yeah. Then you can't blame anybody else but yourself and and you grow and you learn from that. And
2: Well, and you know some advice is good, but not everybody knows the answers to everything. I mean, it's just the way it is. There's no way. I, and I'll tell you what, it was funny. I was thinking about this over the weekend. Sarah and I were talking about it was the episode when Carl was on CJ Thunder um, and right. I, I had mentioned a comment in there about uh, a job that i had had that I worked with all women and and Sarah had just listened to that and she was kind of like, wow, really, you, you know, like you're really at that point now because, you know, she and I were, were together when that all happened and, and <laughs> it was not in a good place. Because those women really screwed me up. Now they didn't do it intentionally, you know, but it's like the impact that we have on people. So it was this whole idea uh, about kind of how we, how we think about things and and how other people do affect us. And a lot of people, they think they mean well, or, you know, that maybe that is truly their intention as they mean well. And and what is it? The good intentions or the road to hell is paved with good intentions or whatever it is. Um, (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. It, and people have good intentions, and sometimes people are in a place that they think they're giving you good advice, but that's all they know. They don't know any different. They've never experienced any different, but they think that it's good advice, and it actually could be extremely hurtful and detrimental, and I am a, a huge recipient. I have been a huge recipient of some of the most detrimental, hurtful advice over the years, and it's taken me all these years to crawl out of it and learn from it and kind of look back and go, I can't hold any bitterness or grudges towards any of those people because they truly didn't know any better, you know, right. but right. what I, what I hope from all that, you know, like I said, going along with the advice we just talked about, what I hope from all of that is that we can choose to learn that, Hey, you know what? We only know what we know. So we're going to make mistakes and, you know, we may give bad advice. We may hurt somebody may not be intentional. Hopefully it's not intentional, but we can choose to learn uh, as much, you know, wisdom and, and, To love and respect other people and that kind of thing, we can learn that and we can surround ourselves with people that can help us and, you know, that can be good influences on us. That's the best we can do. Right. But we can choose that at least. Yeah. (sighs) I don't know. That was out of nowhere. It was random.
0: Well, I think with advice, like it's, it's a advice that comes from experience versus advice that comes from people that think they know better than you. Yeah. You have to try to differentiate between that. Yeah. And choose what to, what to learn and what to listen to. Yeah.
2: I hate to say it, but it goes back to pride, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, now I know, dude, I struggle with that too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't we all? That's right. So I understand uh, you have had some problems with uh, not problems, but, but you, you've had some, uh, I don't even know really what the word is here, but you know, topics that you've missed out talking on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Would you like me to list them off? Because I got to go through <laughs> them for you. There's quite a few. Do we have time? <laughs> <laughs> I could just string it. Did you ever watch uh, George Carlin's list of bad words? Oh, yeah. You ever see that stand up? Yeah, I did.
2: Yeah,
0: I was kind of thinking this would be like that. Okay. Just string, yeah. them, string them through and you pick out the ones that you like. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the top 10 list too. So yeah, kick it, kick it.
0: All right. So this is what your show has made me envious of not getting to be part of. Here we go. Celebrating holidays too early, prettiest seasons, autumn, movie soundtracks, movies, any movies, weather, storms, tornadoes, Colorado and Calgary, their weather seems very similar. Mm. Drinking, beer is just beer. I don't care what kind it is. (laughs) Mint, chocolate, anything, which by the way, you can ask me later, I discovered a new new, uh, taste with mint chocolate in your cereal milk. Oh, (laughs) interesting. Uh, Drinking preferences when you're just thirsty. I prefer juice. Okay. Uh, society today. Mm. The rules. Childhood is different. Participation awards. All of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Gaming etiquette. Yeah. As in online games, video games. Create some rules and parameters. Oh, and here's a big one for me. Not washing hands. Oh, my God. Talk yep. about germophobia. And oh, That's a huge one. Uh,
2: I remember that from Dragon Con.
0: Yeah. yeah. And there's actually, there's actually a top 10 list. TV show, I think it was National Geographic, something TV show that went through a, one of those top ten list specials, and they had the the most filthiest surfaces in society today. So I can I remember some of them. Um, being influenced by attitudes around you and how it takes a strong will to to be able to pull away from that and recognize what's yeah. happening. Bullying and penalties and consequences mm. around bullying. Nerds today, yeah. like you and me. I love it. <laughs> political correctness these days oh man (sighs) social media how it affects lives another fun one superhero tv shows now versus you know 10 15 20 years ago oh yeah face-to-face socializing everything is text-based nowadays and there isn't much face-to-face yeah uh star trek star wars (laughs) sci-fi and you neglected to mention how you actually met garrett wong Well,
2: that's because i was waiting for you to come on the show
0: Oh, I see. Yeah. (laughs) I introduced them just so everybody knows. Yeah, it was cool. (laughs) People in charge, not hearing your ideas, money and power and how it controls the world.
2: Mm.
0: Work in what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I like that. Uh, Health and diet, you've covered in many different variations, Mm but yep, definitely. And donuts. (laughs) (laughs) I love donuts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's just the ones I could remember today as I was scramb- scribbling oh, them all awesome. down. I had sticky notes everywhere as I was writing them down while listening. So
2: that's a lot. There you go. That's impressive.
0: <laughs> wow. I basically nutshelled all the fantastic conversations that you've already had. Well, I appreciate
2: that. No, it's, you know, what's interesting is, you know, you talk about stuff and you never really know how it's going to impact or if it's going to, you know, if anyone's going to even care, you know, I mean, that's just the, the, that's the way things go when it comes to podcasting or any kind of content creation. But man, I'll tell you what I appreciate it because it's it's fun talking about this stuff, and I and it is I, I like to look at it from the standpoint of experiences because hmm. we saw uh, Rogue One Sunday, and and you saw it, what Saturday? Saturday, yep. okay, June, Lisa, go. We did nice. Yes. So it was funny because at Rogue One, it's all the experiences, it's all the conversations, it's the random things, and yes, it goes back to the. You know, guys going to the bathroom and walking out, not washing their hands, and then digging their hands in their popcorn and sucking on their fingers. And I'm just like,
0: come on, come on, sick. Uh, <laughs> Ugh. Or they're, they're digging their hands in your popcorn.
2: That's why I get my <laughs> <Yeah>. own popcorn.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, I know a bunch of guys that don't wash their hands. And every once in a while, one of them comes up and says, hey, can I borrow your pen? And I just give it to him, here, you can have it. <laughs> and I walk away because <laughs> I know and I don't want yeah. it back.
2: yeah i you know and i know probably we're going too far as far as the you know get your immune system built up but there is something to be said about that and you know you said something about the national geographic talking about the top surfaces that are nasty and Mm -hmm. i did i don't know if i talked about this on the show or not yet but i did do a um bacterial study in high school and i I got a bunch of petri dishes you know and I, i created my own auger and everything and i went around and i took you know swabs of different surfaces and one of them was the men's bathroom in our high school mm-hmm. and I took surface, you know, basically on all the handles and stuff like that and that bacterial growth culture was the worst and most heinous looking that I have ever seen in anything. I mean, I had to tape the thing shut because it was pushing it open. Ugh. It was disgusting. Ugh. And I'm like, <laughs> see, and then a friend of mine who's a dentist <laughs> uh, did a study on, on uh, door hand bathroom door handles and okay. he, he did the same thing. And he said, "Oh man!" He said, "Seriously, like if you don't use a paper towel to open the door after you've washed your hands, you might as well not even wash your hands. That's how bad it is."
0: You might as well make your dinner. Sit down on the uh, use the toilet seat as your plate, and
2: <laughs> like <laughs> we've lost half the listeners right now. Oh, the... oh, god! You know, <laughs> no, no, seriously, please, please don't get disgusted. It's uh, uh just do something about it. Yeah, that's just, all I ask. That's all I ask. Speaking well, of it, doing something about something here, so we have this thing around here right now. Uh we're calling them the package pirates. There is a, a hilarious little well, I wouldn't call it hilarious because we know some people who it's happened to, but apparently there's a little band of um pirates going around and stealing packages off of people's front porch. Really? So they're watching, you know, the UPS and and the mail or whatever deliver these things. They're kind of following them around. Watching them deliver, and then after the truck leaves, they go up and they steal the packages before anybody can get them. And apparently, it's happened quite a bit around here, and, and we know some people that it's happened too. And CJ Thunder was sending me something, and so I'm like tracking it, and I'm like, "Well, thank goodness I work from home." And it gets here, and I mean, immediately I open the door and grab the package. But
0: what, what is, what's in it for them other than a, a quick material gain? Yeah. Why Why do you have to ruin somebody's holiday?
2: That's what I want to know. I mean, yeah, maybe that, they're trying to make some money, but. You know, maybe it's a prank. I don't know what's going on, but come on.
0: Well, if it's a prank, I don't find it funny. That's just that's yeah. not cool. That's yeah, not it, the spirit. Of except the so.
2: we do like Han Solo, and he's a smuggler. <laughs> we do. Uh, space pirate. Dang it! I guess
1: well, we're he's got hypocrites. a good heart. <laughs> yeah,
2: true. I steal it in the name of of a good heart. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Oh, yeah,
0: it's unfortunate.
2: Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. Um, I have an idea here and okay. I want to I want to throw this one out just to kind of see if, uh, you know, if, if we can promote something like this, because there's, you know, you talked about the health and the diet sort of thing. And, and you know, a lot of people right now are, are doing like the weight challenge, you know, try not to gain any weight over the holidays and, um, you know, just just watch your health. I have a different idea. Why don't we do a little challenge to see how much weight we can actually gain by January 1st? We'll call it the weight gain challenge. All right. People are passing around cookies. There's pies. There's all kinds of oh, just great foods and hot chocolates and sweets. Why don't we eat as much as we possibly can eat as much sugar as possible? Um, You know, while everyone else is doing that, watch your weight. We'll be like, dude, screw your weight. What do you think? You like it?
0: Well, I like it because holiday baking is my crutch.
2: (laughs) I know. And they, they come up with these big plates of food and you're like, oh, have to eat oh. this because i mean yeah. isn't it like it's disrespectful right to not eat the cookies that they put in front of you
0: right? yeah especially when they offer when they walk up to you with the plate in their hand and they offer it to to yeah. you would you like one well yes yeah, so of course and you're like i'd like <laughs> the plate thank you can i have this yeah, a just, yeah. Oh. oh the whole plate you just take the plate from them right
2: yeah that's a dozen cookies that's cool yeah. thanks if you want to make <laughs> more go for
0: it <laughs> uh,
2: so what do you think you know uh gain as much weight we can by uh, january 1st you know get to the point we can't fit in our clothes and then uh who cares? Well,
0: I think this is a great idea. It's, it's funny that you bring this up because we did uh two coworkers who are good friends of mine. We did this a few years ago at work. This girl Kim, she came up with it. She, we we used to all bring in a different dessert every day at lunch just to try something different, and she ended up calling it the Fat Club.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Let's Ooh. just eat as much dessert as we can at lunchtime. So
2: <laughs> Man, you know, I here's the problem though. I love eggnog. And there's this local oh, wow. dairy. I've mentioned this. There's a local dairy that makes, in my opinion, the best eggnog that you, uh, there's just nothing. I've tried all the eggnogs on the market and there's nothing like this. Uh, really? And everybody I know that has had this eggnog agrees. One thing I noticed this year, because I've tried to eat less and less sugar and drink, you know, less and less sugary drinks and stuff like that. Just because like you said, it's a crutch, right? So I, I got to be careful. And I noticed that drinking the eggnog left that nasty, bitter, bitter, You know, ugh taste in the back of my mouth like constant. And I was like, Oh, I don't like that. It never used to do that. So maybe my taste buds are adapting and that's a good thing, but dang it, I love eggnog.
0: (laughs) Well that that's kind of a symptom if you're cutting out sugar and that those type of ingredients, when you're cutting it out and reducing that in your diet, and then you suddenly have a massive boost of it, yeah, your body's reacting. Your body's telling you, Hey, this stuff isn't good for you. I thought you were going down a different path. Like it's, you have to listen to your body. It tells you these things all the time.
2: It's true. And I, and I, we're all different in different places and stuff too, but it's just kind of an interesting thing I discovered this year. But I will tell you this, I love making cider, love it.
1: And I oh, found, yeah.
2: uh, it's, it's well, Trader Joe's ran out of it, but it's a Trader Joe's apple cider that they have. So I grabbed that and then I like to spice it up. You know, I'm primarily cinnamon and cloves, but I'll throw in some of the other glorious spices that go with it. And I like it strong. I mean, you know, when you're when you're drinking it, you can feel the cinnamon. <laughs>
0: mm.
2: Oh, man, we had some, and this time it was so good, and then I was drinking it cold, and I'm like, whoa, you know that whole Santa likes that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Really? It was cold awesome. cider. Huh. Yeah, and I, I actually liked it better cold than I did hot, which hmm. I didn't know that. I never had it cold. I just usually just drink it hot or warm it up or whatever, but I was like, whoa, this is so good. But that doesn't leave that aftertaste, so drink tea and cider. That's my thing. And coffee. Of course, everybody knows I like coffee. I have to share this because this for, for me, it's a staple this time of year. Mm -hmm. See, some of you may have heard this and and I'm pretty sure you have, but if you've never heard this, well, then you've never really truly had Christmas ever. And I just want to share a little clip of it for you. Um, This is the real deal here. It's, it's a song that was sung by a, a wonderful gentleman uh, just a, a glorious, glorious moment. So, anyway, here we go. I just want to. Um, I'm gonna just a sample. Ready? Here it comes. Okay. This is real. This guy was not messing around.
0: <laughs>
2: I mean, come on. Is this not amazing? Oh, he's giving it. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, sh- Man, uh
2: This guy got an album deal and everything. I'm mean, going was-
0: Oh! oh. Are, are you? Church windows are cracking all over the country. <laughs> Children
2: are screaming. <laughs> Santa's like, screw that! I'm not dealing in any- no presents this year for anybody. Here it comes! <laughs> this is the best part. Here it comes! Ready?
0: Yes! <laughs> Oh, Whitney Houston would be proud.
2: Oh, anybody would be proud, you know? Oh, I think he was in uh, Andrea Bocelli's School of uh, Opera, but um. <laughs> wow.
0: <You> know, wow.
2: <sighs> thank I you. I, 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 I had to share that with you because I, I knew you would appreciate that kind of music.
0: I don't think I've ever heard notes quite like that before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Man, I, the first time I heard that, it was like this guy literally, this was a real deal. He did karaoke and somebody recorded it. Was dead serious. The whole song is is worth at least one listen in your lifetime, and then probably never again. It was, it, it's painful.
0: Man, well, I actually had to pull the my headphones away from my ears a little bit. Yeah, because it's that's that's screeching like unlike I've ever heard before.
2: Oh my gosh! Well, I'll tell you what, if we didn't lose all of our listeners talking about you know the uh, bathroom surface uh, bacterial study, we've lost them all now. Yeah, no, he
0: just ushered the rest of them out the door. I
2: know. So it's just you and me now, man. All right. (laughs) Uh, All right. Have you, you, you do, well, you like the holiday baking, but let's go back to that for a minute. So what what are some of your favorite things you love?
0: The Christmas cookies and and the baking. I I really miss my German grandmother. She used to do some really, really fantastic pastries and different things, which I I don't know the names of at all. And those recipes were not passed down to anybody. So it's once she was gone, then. Sort of the baking, and I, I really, really miss it. <laughs> um, there was this one I, I wish I knew the name of it. Maybe you got maybe you got some listeners out there that would be able to figure it out for me. But it had it was like a cake, and it had kind of a, a pie, a crumbly pie bottom with a layer of custard cream mm. and a bit of cake, and then there was a jam center, and then again kind of a cake and custard cream. And then it was coated with chocolate on top and she would bake it in a, in a big flat pan. So it was like a cake and then you just cut up into squares and serve it as squares. And I, I don't know the name of it. Nobody's ever seen or heard of it before and I can't find the recipe for it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that stuff, uh, any, any pastries, cookies, pies, yeah. whatever, this, yeah. that, yeah. Definitely gotta leave room for that after the big dinner. Yeah.
2: Okay, so are you guys traditional turkey and everything?
0: I think so. This okay. is going to be my first Christmas with Lisa and her family. Oh, so, oh. you know, we, we kind of had a little private one-on-one Christmas last year. It was our first Christmas together. But this year is the first time I'm being included in the whole family. So I, I get to learn what other traditions are and see what it's all about and be part of it. I love it. What nice. about you guys?
2: You know, uh, none of us are really the the biggest turkey eaters in the world. It's so funny. We did turkey every year. And then finally, one year, everyone's like, nobody really likes turkey. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) we don't mind it, but it's like, it's not our favorite thing in the world. We just have done it because uh, I don't know what we're doing this year. That's actually a great question. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of random things I like to do. And I know some people say, oh, this is Thanksgiving and, um, you know, Easter and all that, like deviled eggs and uh, sparkling apple cider. I love those kind of things. But usually Mm -hmm. there's something to do with cranberry, which is awesome.
0: Um I love cranberry stuff too. Oh
2: yeah. And and the stuff we mm. do with cranberry is good because you get the real stuff and then you cut it up. And uh Sarah tries to be as vegan as possible. I try to be as carnivorous as possible. Um <laughs> so we have a lot of fun with it. But you know, I I'm not that actually
0: works out great. That's a good partnership.
2: <laughs> I know. Although I do like all the vegetable stuff too. I just I don't get into the I, I cannot stand quinoa. And like everybody that's oh they're like, oh my gosh, quinoa is so wonderful. It's this perfect protein and It looks like bird poop, and it tastes so bitter. (laughs) I just can't eat it.
0: Oh, really? I actually just got into it, and I've been replacing rice with quinoa.
2: Which is healthy.
0: Well, you know what's really good? What Lisa taught me a trick is instead of boiling it in water, you boil it in chicken broth. Oh, that's a good idea. So it comes out with a kind of nutty chicken flavor. Much better.
2: I know that if you use, I think it's apple cider vinegar, I think, um, it helps to break down, you know, the whatever it is that causes the bitterness. Um, but we've done that and it doesn't really, I, I don't know. I've got really sensitive taste buds, taste buds, smell everything. Like I, I can really taste things and smell things well. And I love that as a result though, I can taste things much stronger than most people do. So some things I, you know, I just don't like Yeah, which is, yeah, fine, hey, but I'm glad right. you're enjoying the quinoa because I know it's good for you. It's just not one of those.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, I just can't do it. But are you a, one of these people that says they don't like something without ever trying it, or do you try it first before you say, I don't like that?
2: Oh, I try it. Absolutely. And I try to give it a few times. So like kombucha is one of those things that I know a lot of people love and I've tried it and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that is disgusting. And then I was like, no, 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 you got to try this kind. So I try that kind. Nope, nah, still disgusting. Okay, no, you got to try this kind. Nope, nah, still disgusting.
0: I can't do it. Okay, three strikes and you're out. That's exactly. What I
2: and I did the same thing with quinoa and and yeah, exact same way. And yeah. I had quinoa in a dish that was spiced. I don't know what was in it, but it was really good and had some cilantro and stuff. So I couldn't taste the quinoa. And in that moment, it was fine. So actually, Emily made it now that I think about it. So whatever she put in that dish was good enough that I couldn't taste the quinoa couldn't taste the quinoa at all, so uh, no problem, right? But if I can taste the quinoa, it's a problem. Stevia is another thing. I can taste Stevia in anything, no matter what, even when people are like, no, no, no there's, you can't taste it. It's it's buried. It's the last ingredient. I'm like, try me, and I do it.
0: Oh, yeah. I can taste it. That's a challenge coming on.
2: Yep. Every time, and you know, it's fine. It's just I don't like Stevia, and yet other people do, so it, it is funny. Everybody has different taste preferences, and like you said, everybody's body's different, and I like to respect that because somebody likes this Awesome. You know, that's cool. Nothing against that.
0: Hey, Let's let them enjoy it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, cookies are my weakness. So a nice, soft, gooey cookie. Mm. I can pass up any other dessert except that.
0: (laughs) Now, have you tried dunking a gooey cookie in your eggnog? Mm,
2: No. Yeah. What about just... Now, that would be kind of too soggy. I'm thinking like, how about an eggnog cookie? Ooh, You know, like they bake the eggnog and I don't know how you do this, but I'm just, you know, coming up with something here. You drizzle eggnog on the top so that, you know, you would have to figure that
0: out. But I like that. Ooh,
2: You like where I'm going with this one?
0: Yeah, let's call up a bakery. Someone's got to have that.
2: Well, they do eggnog lattes, but they're not the same. I, I made a, a mocha pot with my coffee and then so you've got you know a couple shots of espresso and then usually what they'll do is they will pour milk in it and then they'll pour like either an eggnog syrup flavoring which is nasty or they'll pour a little (laughs) bit of eggnog in it dude two shots of espresso and dump the rest of the eggnog fill up the cup with eggnog <laughs> oh, I did that once. It was awesome.
0: Live it to the fullest. So. That's
2: right. And you know it when once. it's when it's as cold as it's been here lately. You know you got to have something to warm you up. And cold eggnog doesn't. Wait, no, that doesn't do the trick. But hey, I can, I can, I can hope,
0: right? Well, what you say it's been cold. So what's cold for you guys down there? Well,
2: so you're in Celsius up there. We're in Fahrenheit. So we got to make sure right. we get the uh, the conversion. Well, but I think we hit negative 14 Fahrenheit. I don't know okay. how cold that is. What you said it was negative 40 Celsius. So what's the conversion?
0: Yeah, we Dina's metric system. I don't know. <laughs> well <laughs> oh, what's yours imperial is that what it's called still imperial
2: <laughs> i, mean, I don't know what it is i don't know why we're all different why can't we just all be in the same you know oh, i don't get yeah, it i don't know negative 25
0: celsius minus 25
2: okay yeah okay so you were at wow negative 40
0: celsius we well that's yeah. negative
2: 40 fahrenheit that's the i know same.
0: isn't that strange weird i didn't know we that seem to catch up to each other
2: you math majors are like um duh yeah i don't know <laughs> i was a music major
0: uh, actually well, we had, uh, we had two and a half weeks of minus 20 to minus 30. And then the one night it hit the minus 40 Wow, and that was bitter cold. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're not kidding. I was talking about this on Facebook and I had to laugh about this one because, um, uh, there's a, a church here that does a, a living nativity is what they call it. So it's a recreation of the nativity story at Christmas, but they reenact it, you know, with people except they do it outside. And usually it's cold and they bundle up and it's it's kind of awesome that it's cold, you know, um, but this time it was the cold weekend, of course, you know, the, the really nasty cold weekend. It was like, oh, it's a 40% chance of snow. Meteorologists were totally wrong on this one. We had a freak blizzard. <laughs> no way, really <laughs> during this whole thing. And, and you know, I'm like, well, I should just put on my snow pants and snow boots and my big parka just because I, I just have this feeling <laughs> And as we're driving, it just starts snowing and snowing. And then all of a sudden it's blizzarding. And then by the time we get there, there's already like three or four inches on the ground. And this is like in a matter of 10 minutes and wow. it just kept coming. And I'm like, I feel so bad for these people, but I was warm. I mean, everybody was literally soaked and freezing and I'm dressed. So I, you know, I was like a furnace inside. It was
0: awesome. That's all you got to do is dress for the weather and you can have so much fun in winter. I love winter. Yeah.
2: There, uh, there's a chance we might even have a white Christmas.
0: Oh, beautiful. Oh, I'm so excited. Beautiful. Yes. That weren't you of- saying before that you haven't had uh, much of a white Christmas in the years previous? My first one was last year.
2: Uh, and I've lived in Colorado most of my life. What's funny though, is that wow. whenever we were in, uh, it was, it was always basically we'd be in a different city and whatever city we weren't in had the white Christmas <laughs> every year. And then last year, finally we
0: had a white Christmas. It was amazing.
2: And it it actually started snowing on Christmas Eve and snowed through Christmas morning. It
0: was so perfect. Isn't that pretty when that happens? Oh man, I have Mm.
2: pictures. It was beautiful. I'm trying (laughs) to figure this one out. I was thinking about Christmas traditions and I, I, Mm -hmm. you know, like talking about what's your favorite Christmas movies, you know, and I should have asked what are your favorite Christmas traditions, which is kind of an interesting thing too. But I didn't even realize, you know, here I am talking about it. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, subconsciously here I am analyzing this because you, you do traditions because they're awesome, they're fun, they bring back memories, they're nostalgic, whatever, um, and then all of a sudden you realize that you're getting stressed about it because you're <laughs> trying to fit them all in, and it's like, why am I getting stressed about watching a certain Christmas movie? Like This should be fun, <laughs> you know? and this so year I kind of went, maybe I don't need to watch it. Like If I watch it, great, and if I don't, whatever, if I just don't get to it. These are good things and traditions are good things but to try to cram all of these things in maybe that's not the best decision in the world. And I was even thinking about all the all the work I've tried to cram in and I got to get this done and oh my like, gosh. And and I was talking to Sarah about this and I'm like I'm missing the holidays, I'm missing the Christmas, you know, celebrations that we like to do. I'm missing all of the things right in front of me right now that I can't get back because I'm so stressed out about things that are going to be there in January. Yep. So I took a deep breath, had some cider, and I said, oh, well, it'll be there when I get back. I'll get as much done as I can. And in the meantime, I am not going to, uh, you know, lose another minute of Christmas celebration. So,
0: booyah, suck it, fools. Way to go. (laughs) You don't want to miss anything. So, yeah, I
2: know. Be present. Be in the moment, man. Exactly. So one thing, you know, and I hear this from millionaires and billionaires all the time, you know, you can't get time back. It's the only thing you can't get back. So enjoy every moment.
0: And that's because of the, they've learned from experience. Totally. Right. Yeah. They and got all so the money in the world, but they,
2: they lost time or they yeah. did it right. Like they, they made their money and they celebrated each moment too. And those are mm. the people to learn from. Woo. Right. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay. So let me, let me, let's, let's jump into this. Let's talk rogue one really quick. No spoilers though. Don't worry. We are not going to talk spoilers. So if you have not seen it, do not worry. You don't have to turn this off. Yeah. Overall thoughts you had. So first of all, did you like it?
0: I did like it. I, I was pretty excited to go see it. So it was, it, I think just anything in the Star Wars universe, the Star Wars galaxy, I guess you could say, it's just fun to be back. You've got the familiar music and the familiar characters and they're introducing new characters. It's You're surrounded by this epic saga that George Lucas created. And any movie that allows you to dive back into that and escape, Life for two hours—it's it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: that's awesome. Yeah, I went into it—you know—I was very excited, but I did not have any expectations. You know, talking with okay. Kyle last week about it, all, all we really talked about is: are there some things in there that we know about, or you know, have been speculated? But we're, we know we're not going to spoil anything. We don't know anything. Mm-hmm. One thing, uh, and I can go along with this. He talked a little bit about you know the force that there will be some explanation, a little bit to the force. And I didn't see much, but I feel like there might have been a couple things in there that uh, they hinted at. So that was interesting.
0: Um, I know what you're meaning. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then he did talk about how it's going to be more of a war movie. Yeah. You know, that's that's something you can expect going into it. I got to say, though, the first third of the movie, I felt my mind wandering a little bit kind of like and then I was like, wait a minute. Am I bored? Am I distracted? What's going on? And I realized that they weren't really capturing my attention too much. Like I know they were setting up character development and setting up the story, but I felt like there were some things that just just weren't necessary. Like they just didn't need to go there. Um, Not that it was bad. It was just kind of like, oh, all right. But then, oh man, then it took off.
0: (laughs) Okay. So can I, can we word it like it was a slow burn?
2: Yes. Do
0: you agree with that? Yeah, that's that's exactly. I said I didn't okay. know if you wanted me to say that. that that's yeah. exactly how I felt about it. it was uh, the f- the first part of it was was a very slow burn. It wasn't that it was bad. Yeah, it just didn't hit you with you know crazy excitement. Oh my god! And your your mind can't take it all in. It just yeah. was a slow burn, introducing things, learning what the story is, and then as I think where you're just going, it gets to that fantastic final. 40 minutes or so and when you're on the edge of your seat.
2: Did you like Felicity Jones as uh Jen Erso?
0: She did a great job. You did? Nothing okay. against her performance. Yeah, I think I think she did a great job. I think for me, I didn't I didn't find I connected to her as deeply as I did to Ray from Force Awakens. Mm, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. There there was just something there was something about Ray that she felt like she was deeply embedded in the whole Star Wars mythos. Somehow, somehow she was tapping into that Mm -hmm. and you felt it. And that's why you connected to her and Jen, as great as she was, I just, I didn't get that type of feeling from her. Does
2: that make sense? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. hundred percent. In fact, I, I first was, um, and I don't know if it's because I've never seen her act before. I know she's been in a lot. I've just never seen her. So I don't know if it's that I didn't like her acting or if her character wasn't written that well like you said, like Ray was compelling. There was something about Ray that you really, I mean, I connected with Ray quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, and I've connected with most of the characters in the st- Well, hard to connect with Hayden Christensen, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I kind of like, she wasn't bad, but it was very two dimensional to me.
0: Some of the characters surrounding her were quite a bit more compelling than she was. And that could have been where she was losing, losing a bit of our, that's true. Yeah.
2: And again, nothing bad, nothing, nothing against her, but no, she was unremarkable to me, I guess is the best way to put it.
0: Yeah, but that's me. Nowhere nowhere near, as you mentioned, Hayden Christensen, nowhere on that level. Yeah. She was decent.
2: She was fine, but I don't like sand. It's rough. (laughs) It's coarse and it gets everywhere. (laughs) Not here. Everything here is smooth and (laughs) soft and
0: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, oh, Oh man, Gosh. but and the other point to make about this movie is that star, they visit a location we have not yet seen in the Star Wars universe, and that's yes. the, the tropics, the you <sighs> know, yes, the Which, palm trees and turquoise waters. We have not seen that yet.
2: And you do see that in the previews. So if you're like, spoilers, dude, that was in the preview or the, the, it was, yeah, the, yep. the trailer. So you're good there. But yes, that was awesome. And they, oh, oh, I'm not even going to say anything. There were some things, there are a lot of Easter eggs in there, a lot of Easter eggs in this movie. So oh, man. Star Wars fans, whether you're, uh, you know, somebody from the video games, uh, Star Wars universe, whether you've read the books, whether you've watched Star Wars Rebels, Clone Wars, all of that, there are Easter eggs from all over the expanded universe. It was awesome. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And you, you had to pay attention because some of them were quick.
2: So if you're a Star Wars fan, big time, I mean, you're going to squeal, you know, like a, like a schoolgirl. Yes, men, You too. <laughs> if you're not as much of a Star Wars fan, you're still going to love, the, I think you're still going to enjoy the movie. It's a well done movie. Great story.
0: Well, here's a good perspective for you. I'm a Star Wars freak. I have been since <laughs> it came out, like yeah. since the very original one, love everything Star Wars. Lisa sitting here beside me is brand new to the whole Star Wars thing. We in fact mm-hmm. when Force Awakens came out, we had to marathon all six movies in time before we went to see that so oh, she wow. could understand the story and I don't have to explain everything to her. Yeah. So that's how new she is to it. We're sitting there watching this one and she was she was laughing and she was jumping at the you know the parts that were meant to make you jump and get, she was intense and I'm I'm trying to, you know, when some of these Easter eggs are popping up, I'm kind of nudging her. Oh my God, did you see that? And she's focused on this movie. Yeah. And when we got out of it, I asked her, what you think? And she's like, that is my favorite one of all the Star Wars movies. Wow. So that's cool. There you go. For, for people that maybe aren't fully Star Wars nerds like we are, that's what what you can look forward to is that you're going to enjoy it. Even if you're not a fan.
2: Totally. You know, first Star Star Wars movie, that did not have John Williams in it. Right. And you're talking about the music. Yeah. yeah, I, man, I was so, so pleasantly surprised. I absolutely loved Michael. Is it Giacchino? Is that how you pronounce it? I still don't know.
0: That sounds pretty good to me.
2: (laughs) Giacchino, Giacchina. I don't even know, dude. Dude, (laughs) Michael, shoot me a text. Let me know how to pronounce your last name and I'll get it right next time. So anyway, I, wow, loved it. Just loved it. It was so good. I liked it better than Force Awakens.
0: I think some of the music in Force Awakens is, is actually kind of forgettable. Like, I don't, yeah. it doesn't sink in my mind. Rogue One, like, like, did you notice that it it just had an essence of Star Wars? It was different enough. He, he created his own new flavor mm-hmm. of music. So you, you could feel, yeah, this is Star Wars. This this is Star Wars music, but yet it's not quite what i've known for the last six movies so it was different You're, yeah you're listening to it and going okay no it's getting me in and it it played perfectly with the scenes that we're watching which is what you need out of a movie soundtrack yeah oh yeah just to heighten the emotions and everything you're feeling the music drives that
2: it was exactly that way too i mean it really it complemented every scene almost perfectly Mm -hmm. so like it's one thing you know when you forget the music and you go oh Oh, well, yeah, there was a soundtrack there or you go. Oh, my gosh, that made the movie. It wasn't quite that good. You know, it wasn't the as I mentioned last week, it wasn't the Titanic soundtrack that made that movie sort of thing. Uh, and I'm not talking Celine Dion. I'm talking James Horner. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to clarify. <laughs> so it wasn't quite that good, but it was it was more towards that. It was more towards it complimented it. Well, it didn't make the movie, but it was excellent. And that's something that I would even download and put in my soundtrack Spotify mix.
0: Right i love it what is your favorite movie soundtrack of all time oh my gosh or top three i'm curious
2: hunt for red october is one of my favorites definitely okay last of the mohicans and uh i mean you know the star wars movies are fun i mean the, the problem is is there's so many good ones so like yeah it would almost be easier for me to tell you my favorite artists than i would say john williams hans okay. zimmer and james horner okay. which covers a lot of the movies of that i love but i love basil Polidoris, who did you know, hunt for road
0: October oh, and the barbarian. Oh yeah. Yeah. There you go. It's, it, I can see why you and me are friends because you mentioned last Mohicans and <laughs> yeah. I love, that's one of my favorite movies and I love the soundtrack. And along with that, to uh, for me, it's Braveheart. Oh yeah. Well, see, there you go. That's James Horner. Yeah. Yep. Brave. I can listen to the Braveheart soundtrack and know exactly what scene we're going through. Oh yeah. Yeah. And feel exactly.
2: it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's where, you know, so like even John Williams, when he did, uh, I know we're totally nerding out here, but that's what we do, man. We embrace around our inner nerds. John Williams, you know, when you, when you're hearing the music on the original star Wars, all of them, one through six episodes, one through six, I can almost point out the scene. I, I can with the, you know, four five and six original trilogy. I can tell you where it is in the movie mm-hmm. and with one, two and three, I can almost do that with every one of them as well. Could not do anything with that on, uh, uh, you know, force awakens. no, but, you know, Braveheart, same thing, Home for Road, October, I can see the scene in my mind. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where you've got good composers. And yes, I'm biased because I'm a musician. And that's, you know, when, when you can feel, well, when you can see the scene by listening to music or when you're watching the movie and you can feel the emotion, oh, man, they've, they've nailed it.
0: But we do have to mention, though, there's something to be said for how many times you've seen those movies, too. So, Force Awakens, True. you might not have seen thirty times yet.
2: <laughs> well, but even uh, so, I saw it in the theaters. I think three times. Okay. Everybody's like, "Hey, let's go see Force Awakens." Okay. I went twice, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't. The again, the only the Starkiller one was was my favorite piece, and every time that came on, I got chills. But other than that, I was like, "What?" I don't even hear any music hardly. <laughs> you know what I
0: mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. You're so. Right.
2: Yeah, it's still got to be good and it's got to capture. Now, that was the thing with Titanic. It captured me immediately. And and that was, in my opinion, still one of the best soundtracks ever done. Just because it, oh man, maybe not like theme wise, but how it complemented the movie perfectly.
0: Yeah. And I so, think you have to categorize it like that. You,
2: I tell you what, let's do this. Let's bring you back in on January. Okay. We're going to talk about some other stuff because I got a bunch of other things I want to talk about. And I tested something. You know, the whole, uh, I was talking about dressing up and down and, you know, how, how that affects you that kind of thing. And I was asking some questions last week. Yep. I did a test at best buy.
0: Did you, Mm -hmm. did you actually go into the store? Yes.
2: So I had just played basketball. Um, Now granted, I don't usually stink and uh, you know, I didn't at the time. So that was good, but I just played basketball. So I'm in basketball getup. you know, I didn't look bad, but I wasn't looking, you know, I wasn't dressed in like jeans and a nice shirt or anything like that. So I go into best buy, Fully intending to buy a monitor because uh, the the computer, as you know, a couple of episodes ago went out Mm -hmm. and I'm using a really old monitor that isn't exactly working 100% with this new Mac mini. And so I need to get a new monitor and I'm finding that actually just get a TV because they're at the same price. So I went in, I'd done my research, I knew exactly what I was looking for, but I went in to look at this, you know, little monitor TV that I wanted to get fully intending to walk out with one. Pay for it. Of course, you know, some of you are thinking really. Uh, yeah, I have watched a little too much oceans 11, but I was paying for this one. I was going to do it. eyeing every single employee and one guy was on his phone texting. Somebody looked at me and looked down, didn't even acknowledge me. And then I, and then I saw a couple of other employees looked right at him. They, they didn't even acknowledge me. Didn't even look up at me, walked right past him. And uh, there was a, an employee helping another guy and I was standing there and I'm watching this TV and I'm like, wow, I'm impressed with this thing. It's, it's really nice. Great price. I didn't see any of them. Like they had boxes for every other TV around. They didn't have any of this. So I was going to ask him, do you have any more of these? Uh, you know, I was gonna, had some other questions for him and he's helping this guy. So I'm sitting there waiting and I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm looking right at him and I'm staring at the TV and then I'm looking at him and I'm kind of going back and forth kind of like, dude, I need some help, but I'm not going to interrupt you. And he looks at me a couple times and he looks back and he helps the guy and he gets done helping the guy. And then he goes and he starts chatting with his uh, other employee buddies. And I'm looking at these guys and they all look at me and then they look back and kept talking. No one said hi to me. No one asked me how I was doing. No one asked if they could help me anything, nothing, absolutely nothing. And I thought, well, I'm here to give you my money. I am not going to beg you to pay you. So if you want my money, if you want my sale, you better do your job and you better come up to me and ask me how I'm doing or what I need or anything else. They lost out on a big sale that night. Wow. Possibly. It was because of I wasn't dressed right. That that was my original test. I went in like that on purpose. Yeah. I showed an attitude of I'm here for a reason. So they should have picked up on that, but I wasn't dressed like I had money.
0: I was just going to say that you didn't look like money.
2: Yep. So there you go. So it's interesting because I've been doing a little bit of a uh, research on this and an experiment about, you know, it's not about how you look. I understand that. Like it's, and people I know are, some people are absolutely obsessed with their looks that's not healthy. Some people could care less about how they look or smell or appear. That's not healthy. There's balance. I would say 95 or more percent of the people you interact with, their only impression of you is your look and how you carry yourself. Or so basically how you present yourself and whatever that is. So how you dress and, you know, your attitude and and your confidence, you know, all that stuff. Like that's the only impression they're going to get of you. Yeah, that's right. So now I want to go back in dressed you know in a really nice pair of pants and not like in a suit or anything but nice pair of pants nice pair nice shirt maybe even a sport coat and see what happens
0: we're only halfway done this experiment yes anyway good times
2: yeah martin flash thanks man appreciate it this was fun this was a blast no thank you real brian well we will do it again because
0: uh, i know <laughs> we've got plenty more to talk about but oh <laughs> well, we do yeah i mean my my list of topics that yeah that's scratching the surface yeah I love it thanks for having me on guys. And you know, Merry Christmas, happy holidays to everybody out there.
2: All right. Well, I want to bring on Nicholas McCarthy because my goodness gracious, you know, I have a lot of respect for this guy. He's a pianist. I'm a pianist. Nicholas was born without his right hand and yet has still been able to master the piano, but I don't want to tell you much more about Nicholas because I want him to share his story and I know he's going to share. It's powerful. I've already talked to him a little bit about this. So I'm excited. Yeah, I don't want to share anymore. I'm going to let him share the rest. So Nicholas Welcome to The Real Brian Show. Thanks for being on, my friend. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. And and the one thing I like to start off with is kind of that idea of sharing something about you or that you've done that most of us don't already know.
1: You know what? That's a tricky one. A lot of people don't know that I'm a very good cook. Ah. And that I actually wanted to be a chef before I was a pianist, which is an equally as dexterous two-handed job. So I'm not really sure why I was drawn to all these two-handed dexterous jobs but yeah i i'm a very good cook and i'm a real keen foodie and i think because i travel a lot i love you know sometimes i'm working because i'm playing a concert somewhere or whatever and i'm just excited to go for dinner because mm-hmm. i'm thinking oh what are they going to provide for me and how excited i could get to try all this food so i would I, I would say a lot of people don't realize how keen i am on food and uh cooking especially you know actually cooking we're
2: we're huge fans of, of food and foodies and that kind of thing too and uh sarah my wife loves cooking
1: i would love (laughs) (laughs) her.
2: well it's so funny because she she loves to just sit down and and you know spend a a half an afternoon or something like that just cook just you know said it's very therapeutic for her
1: it is it is therapeutic i mean for me i don't get to do it as often as i'd like to but definitely when i'm home there's nothing if i've got a free Sunday or something there's nothing i like more than getting in the kitchen and trying some new recipes and you know, I'm trying to be as healthy as I can be, of course. Sure. Of course. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's always the hard part, right?
1: That's the hard <laughs> part because all I really want to cook is cheesecakes. But yeah, that that's not oh, going to do yeah. my side good whatsoever.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, once in a while, though, a cheesecake is good for the soul.
1: It is. It's soul food, absolutely.
2: That's right. That's great. So what is, uh, besides cheesecake, what's your favorite food to cook?
1: Uh, I love Japanese cuisine. I perform a lot in Japan and I know, you know, I know my way around a Japanese menu very well. And I've kind of got into cooking Japanese food. More recently, but also I've really recently got into truffle. Mm. My friend got me into it, and I'd had truffle, you know, a couple of times. But I, I kind of it was nice. But now I've kind of exper- you know experienced truffle gouda and you know truffle honey and all this gorgeous stuff. So I'm quite into incorporating black or white truffle into my recipes at the moment. Which is you know it's, it's nice for a dinner party. Is that little bit extra special? Yeah, obviously it's quite pricey. So. Yeah, but it's um it's a bit of an addiction. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I understand. My college roommate and I, we used to love cooking as well. Um we did kind of more, you know, you brought up the chef thing. We did kind of more of the chef stuff and we had fun creating all these concoctions and and I like to just spice things. That's kind of my my big thing. But um it it is cool when when somebody actually does as you put it know their way around certain cuisines and know how to to cook and all that. Usually usually the food is just spectacular.
1: Yeah, my friends often ask me if they come around and like, Oh, can I like, you know, what do you want for dinner? And like, Can you do Japanese? Can you do Japanese? So yeah, I might oh, nice. make up an okonomiyaki or something like that for them and they that always seems to go down nice. very well. Nice. So.
2: That's great. So you wanted to be a chef but decided, you know, I'm gonna be a pianist instead. Is that yeah. uh, how did this all come about?
1: All of those choices with one arm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: It was when I was fourteen and I saw a friend of mine, a very accomplished pianist. Um, playing in my school assembly, I was just blown away. She was she was playing a late Beethoven sonata, his Walstein sonata. I was just blown away by her at the piano, by the piano itself as an instrument and its capabilities, by the music that this you know this master Beethoven had written. And I was just I'd never really heard anything. You know, I come from a really unmusical family and a family who likes music but you know wouldn't necessarily be playing classical music a lot so for me to hear such a massive masterpiece played so beautifully I was just like wow that is what I want to do but what I found quite interesting as an as an you know as an adult now as opposed to a 14 year old boy is the fact that actually I chose to or wanted to make my career constantly. It's not just, I, I, I didn't just want to learn the piano. I wanted to learn the piano because I wanted that to be my profession. And and that really was, you know, as straightforward forward as that really, it was just that, that epiphany moment that you hear about on TV and stuff. And, and that's what happened to me when I was 14. It's incredible. I think it's kind
2: of funny because um, when I was 14, same thing, it was a school assembly. I had been playing the piano. I don't know if you knew I was a musician. Did I, have I told you that?
1: No, you haven't told me. Okay.
2: I I actually played the piano as well and I've played most of my life. And uh, by 14, I'd been playing for, I think, eight years. But same thing. I saw a a senior playing a piece on the piano and I kind of had that epiphany moment that I I wanted to write music. And I said, I'm going to compose a piece for my senior assembly kind of thing. And I'm going to get on there and and perform and do my thing there. So I think it's kind of interesting that you said that 14 school assembly epiphany moment. I went, wow. Wow. Had the same thing <laughs> so
1: that's, that's obviously our magic number uh, there you go i love that 14 is our magic number bhai i love that uh, i'm going
2: to go with that i'm going to write that down 14 magic number let's rock that <laughs> no that's neat so you're you're fourth now granted uh now being a pianist of course starting at 14 i guess the the way to put it is you know we, the, the younger you start the easier it is to kind of learn the music and get going so 14 it's uh i mean you're still young enough that you're going to learn but did you have a challenge kind of learning the music when it got, you know, when you got started?
1: It, yes, it was a challenge. And you're completely okay. right, especially most, you know, classical artists, you know, concert performers, a concert violinist or a concert beginner, you know, they, they are starting at around the age of three or four. So I was yeah, a good 10 yeah. years later and I had no musical training. Us, us in the UK, we're not great with music education here, unfortunately. And so I really was, you know, a complete novice i really didn't know where middle c was on a piano and i didn't know what it looked like on the stave and that was tricky i had to teach myself i had to teach Mm -hmm. myself where notes were on the piano i had to teach myself how to sight read but saying that having been a very average all-rounder at school you know i was always b's and c grades i was never this kind of high flying a star kind of person with piano i felt that actually even though it was difficult and it took me a while to, to learn, you know, these notes and things. I was picking it up very quickly, very, very quickly. And it was, it was that, that also spurred me on because actually I, you know, I hadn't experienced being good at something until this point. I hadn't experienced my four. You know, I was awful at sports at school and I just loathed it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And I just wanted to be in the, in the, Chef's kitchen, really, all the time, just trying to, <laughs> you know, to do do food, food technology and things like that. But yeah, this was the first thing that really I found that oh, I'm I'm really good at this. So I was working harder at it, which made me better at it, which made me work even harder, and I got better at it. So it was a really nice positive circle, and and I think that's why things started to happen for me so quickly.
2: You know, you said something there that I, I hear a lot too. You know, you hear this whatever you're good at, people will say, wow, you have such a gift. I'm sure you've probably heard that too. Yeah. Do you think that there's some level of gifting that allows you to be like you said, I was good at this. It, it you know, it came relatively quickly. Do you think it's some kind of a natural gifting that comes that allows you to be able to kind of push forward? I mean, obviously you've worked very, very hard. You've practiced and practiced and practice, you know, um, but what do you think about the whole gifting comment? I'm just kind of curious on that
1: i completely agree i would say that yes i i i am naturally gifted with with piano and i just it's a shame i didn't discover it earlier yeah because i think well you know if if i realized or my parents realized that i had this gift at a younger age you know things may have been even bigger even earlier you know i don't i don't know but yeah i think natural ability definitely comes because also you know as i said If it was just about practice, I would have become good at something else because I was, you know, always working hard. I wasn't a lazy kind of person.
2: So now you said you taught yourself, but did you have any kind of formal education? I know you said, uh, you know, education in the UK is not as good, but did you have a private teacher or anything like that?
1: I did, yes. After a while my parents realised that I was I was getting good. Actually there's a funny story about that because because I, I had come from a non musical family, I was like a sponge for listening to music, classical music, because I hadn't really heard it all. You know, I hadn't heard of Wagner opera and I hadn't heard of Rachmaninoff and I hadn't heard of Chopin's, you know, piano sonatas and, you know, all these wonderful works. So I re- I did a lot of listening. And I used to listen to the radio a lot, classic you know, classical radio. Mm-hmm. I I was practicing upstairs and um, where my, my piano was in my bedroom. My dad shouted up the stairs, Nick, turn the radio down. It wasn't the radio, it was me. Oh, nice. And so I shouted down the sensor and I said, that, Dad, it's not the radio, it's me. And there was definitely silence downstairs. And then two minutes later, mum and dad came upstairs and, and was like, do, do you want piano lessons? Nice. Of course, the answer was, was yes. So there, yes, I started formal lessons. And I started, I had a lovely piano teacher who was young as well. And I thought that was very, positive for me because i looked up to her you know she was in her kind of mid to late 20s and and i was you know obviously by this stage probably you know 14 and a half coming on to 15. she very admirably after learning with her for a while i was i was playing pieces that she couldn't even play and so she very admirably said to, to me and my parents look i believe in nicholas i believe he's got something and I feel that I'm not the right teacher for him. I think he needs to go to a specialist music school to further his talent, which I think is so admirable for, you know, someone who was young and she was going through university herself. So she obviously needed the money as well, but if she gave that up. You know, she could have easily just continued with me and my mum and dad would have kept paying her, um, but she didn't. You know, she saw the fact that actually I could have, I could p- perhaps, you know, achieve my my dream and uh, and she kind of let me go and i was so thankful and i'll I'll always be thankful to her for that and and i see her at concerts now you know it's lovely to to see her kind of in the front row and you know we go for a glass of champagne now it's so nice but it was when i wanted to audition for that specialist music school that things that i started to experience negativity Mm. um beforehand i hadn't experienced that it was all very positive you know from friends family my my first lovely piano teacher I then, yeah, very quickly had to to grow a thick skin.
2: I was incredibly encouraged by, you know, hearing a little bit of your story over on the Tim Ferriss Show, but also just in general, you know, just reading a little bit about you. To be completely honest, you know, amazed just to see how you've come forth and, and done what you've done and also listening to you play with one hand. Uh, and, and to be completely honest, you know, I, I can't even imagine I think I would suck doing it. <laughs> so, I mean, I know I can do, you know, the right hand thing, but uh, you know what I mean? It's just, it's very, very impressive to see what you've done with it and how you've adapted it. Thank you. I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, when you got started, did your first piano teacher, how did, how did she work with you when it came to utilizing one hand?
1: I mean, a lot of people don't realize this, but I, I play a repertoire, which is, is, has got a big slice of, of the general repertoire. So left hand alone repertoire, mm-hmm. there's about 3,000 works okay. for left alone and there's about 28 piano concertos for left hand so there really is a lifetime's worth of work and it starts off in the 19th century where you know concert pianists back then were like rock stars I always say I'm born in the wrong century I should have (laughs) been born in the 19th century yeah Um, but they really were they were like rock stars you know people sell out arena tours in seconds now and then the same happened back in those days with, you know, a concert pianist would turn up in the town. And if he was popular, those tickets would go within a couple of minutes. As an encore, these wonderful two-handed virtuoso pianists would play something for their left with, with their left hand alone. Mm-hmm. As a bit of irony, really, because, you know, most people are right-handed in the world, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So your left hand is usually your weaker hand out of the two. So these concert pianists would say like, oh, you enjoyed my recital, but you wait and see what I can do with my weak hand, my left hand. So they'd play this bravura, virtuosic fireworks with their left hand at the piano, and they just absolutely send the crowd wild. And, and that's how left-hand repertoire really started. And then we fast forward through time to the First World War, and as you know, so many Service men and women were coming back with horrific, horrific injuries, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the time they were having, you know, their their right arm amputated if it was injured. You know, if it was a bad injury, statistically, you're more likely to lose your right arm mm-hmm. in battle than you are your left arm. So there was this one man named Paul Wittgenstein, who's part of the very wealthy elite family that was the Wittgensteins of Vienna, and he, in order to continue his career as a two handed pianist. He unfortunately lost his right arm in battle. He returned back to Vienna, and because of his, his position in society and his wealth, he decided to pay all of the biggest celebrity composers of the day, to Ravel and Prokofiev and Benjamin Britten and Richard Strauss, he would pay them vast amounts of money to write big piano concertos for him for left, left hand alone. So this tradition from the 19th century, which was already you know, quite substantial, then grew hugely on a 20th century scale with the composers of the time. And that that really is what, what gave this repertoire, this vast amount of, of repertoire. And me being the 21st century one arm pianist, to be able to then play that, it gives me great pleasure to be able to continue that commissioning and continue working with with new composers so I can hopefully leave a bit of a legacy for, you know, next century.
2: So now did you... Find out about this on your own, or did your teacher share it with
1: you? I knew about it anyway, um, mm-hmm. and then I had to kind of research further. Um, mm-hmm. I think with anything you kind of you know especially if you want to go into it as at a high level whether whatever job you want to be in, you've got to know your craft mm-hmm. you know you've got to do your research, you need to be clued up on it because otherwise that's where I think failure creeps in you know lack, yeah. of, lack of knowledge allows failure to creep in
2: once kind of graduating from that teacher and then moving into um, additional education, you said things started to get tough. You started to have some negativity. What was going on with that?
1: The the piano school that I wanted to go to initially was the same school that my friend who initially inspired me. Mm -hmm. She, she attended. So in my head, I was thinking, Oh, this is brilliant. You know, my friend, she goes there, we can go there together and you know, she's amazing. So that means I can become amazing. Mm -hmm. And I rang up the headmistress of this school to arrange an audition, and she, the conversation just didn't go my way. You know, it really didn't. And the conversation went something like this it was, you know, I introduced myself, and then she said, Oh, yes, yes, I know who you are. You know, I, I really haven't got time to, to audition you, really, because I, I just don't understand how how you can play the piano with one hand. Oh, Jesus, so she Jesus. obviously didn't know about left hand repertoire at all, which raises flags because she's she was quite old, she'd been in the music industry a long time, so surely she should know of even a few of pieces, but clearly she didn't yeah um, and she said, "You know, how can you possibly play scales with two hands?" and I said, "Oh, I don't want to play scales, I want to play music <laughs> and she put oh, the phone, and she put the phone down on me so <laughs> Now it's funny, and now you know, I look back.
2: And oh, funny. no, I know, I'm laughing now. I'm sorry, but you
1: are, you said the right thing. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I did, but at the time, I think when you're, you know, when you're young, when you're a mid teen, we all have our aspirations. So, I mean, when we were that age, you know, whether it's to be an astronaut, whether it's to be a chef or a concert pianist or a lawyer or whatever you want to be. I don't know about you, but I found myself and my friend, your attitude is very one track. Mm-hmm. So you would look at the end point. So I, I'll I talk for myself. I was looking at the end point of me being on stage playing to thousands of people, and I felt my only way to get there was via this piano school. Yeah. So I, and so when obviously that phone call ended so abruptly, that was my dream shattered. Yeah. That 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 door slammed in my face, and as as, as far as I was concerned at the time, I was then unable to become a concert pianist. Mm then as adults, we're well aware that there's thousands of different paths sure. to get to where you achieve. But at the time, I couldn't see that. I, was, well, I didn't play yeah. the piano for about three weeks after this, which was unheard of for me because I you know, was so into it. And uh, I was walking back from school one day, and I thought to myself, suddenly, it was kind of, again, one of these epiphany moment, moments. I thought to myself, why am I letting one person who, who hasn't even met me in real life and hasn't even seen me play, I'm letting one person out of all the billions and billions of people in this world tell me I can't play the piano and I can't achieve my dream of being a concert pianist. And I thought, well, you're just stupid, Nick, if you're going to allow this person to do that. So I decided then to apply for a different music school, this time in London. So it was a a better one. It was more internationally renowned. And I didn't tell them about my disability. I thought I'm going to get in there first because I wanted them to see me play. You know, I'm, I'm a very fair person. If I get turned down for something once they've seen me play, that's fine. Sure, it means sure. I wasn't good enough. It means they felt I wasn't good enough for their school. That's fine. But at least give me the chance. Arrived to the audition day a couple of months later and had to explain a slightly awkward conversation about, you know, oh, hi. Yes, I've got one up. I, I performed and I, and I was offered a place. And, and I was so pleased. I trusted my gut instinct and trusted my, oh yeah, kind of had that epiphany on the way home from school.
2: Hmm. I understand that. I understand, you know, going, uh, going through music and obviously different circumstances for me, you know, but um, I understand the disappointment when it comes to, you know, you, you're right. You think about this is the only way that I know to get here. I have to go after it. Somebody shuts you down. You know, you do kind of feel like, well, man, what chance do I have now? Where do I go? How do I make this happen? Uh, I think it's amazing that you were able to get back on your feet quickly and say, you know, like you said, why am I letting one person prevent me from moving forward? Yeah. Um. But but you're right. I think that there's, well, I'm I'm sure now it's easy to look back and go, well, you know, that person was short-sighted. You know, that person didn't see, uh, or like you said, didn't even understand left-hand repertoire. And so, you know, even training under that person would never have gone anywhere if they didn't even know exactly.
1: about it. Oh, I, I definitely don't hold any hard feelings because actually that initial negativity, you know, that initial door slamming in my face, changed the course of my career, sure, therefore my sure. life forever. So actually, I, I'm almost indebted to her short-sightedness. Yeah. That's how I view it. Well,
2: and you never know at the time. That's the thing. You know, you think it's a, a, you know, a bad situation. It's hopeless. Where are you going to go? But then, yes, you look back and you say, this path was better.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that, that taught me an, a, lef- a lesson, which I was very pleased to learn so yep. early on. I'm in the music industry it's a notoriously cutthroat difficult industry and to learn a lesson like that where you know you know what if one thing doesn't go your way on that time yes it might be disappointing disappointing in that instance but your life has a funny way of bringing you full circle and bringing you to something even better that wouldn't have happened if it was for the other the other thing that you may have been disappointed about so I kind of learned that lesson early on and I've definitely abided by it and learned from it and and kind of, you know, think about that when things don't go my way.
2: Okay. So you, you went this new path better than the other way. Uh, What happened?
1: It was really difficult. (laughs) (laughs) It was, I I experienced even more negativity, to be honest, for several reasons. First of all, and I can say this and I'm sure you're, you, you may agree with me on this. Mm -hmm. It might be different, different with classical music, but I went to a normal school. I wasn't. I didn't go to private school. I went to a completely normal school. I had an idyllic childhood, loads of friends, was the popular guy in school. You know, I I enjoyed school a lot. And then I went to this music school, and I I remember ringing my parents up like halfway through the day and just saying, "Mum, they're just weird. <laughs> I just found them bizarre because I'm used. I use humour mm-hmm. as a way to you know, maybe get overconfidence or, or maybe a, a way to mask my disability to an extent, almost to when I meet someone instantly, sure. I, I've got to show them that I'm funny and, and bright and, and quick. So then they know that, you know, oh, yes, he's got one arm, but actually he's a great guy and he's funny. You know, I've always used humor as a bit of a, a an armor. So when that armor isn't working <laughs> yeah, with people and, and the, the term that I use is with, with those first initial weeks when I went to this music school was, You know, trying to have relationships with people, friendships was just like getting blood out of a stone. Mm. Weren't giving you anything to work with. And it wasn't because of me. I could see they weren't having any friendships with anybody. You know, they were just predominantly quite solitary and and odd. Mm. And that's how I found it. So I struggled on the social aspect of it at first, because I was a bit like, well, I clearly have nothing in common with these people. And But then after a while, I found a group of, you know friends who who were more on my page and and were more normal as the type you know who what I was very used to from from going to a a pretty average normal school so first of all that was a little bit of a struggle secondly I was competing then you know at my school I was then I was the big guy on campus kind of thing you know the, the talented gifted pianist and people were talking about the fact that you know i'd only got one hand yet i play this amazing piano then all of a sudden i go to to this music school and i'm competing with people who've been playing since the age of three and we're just walking on stage with the royal philharmonic playing Rachmaninoff concertos and things so all of a sudden i was a tiny fish in a massive pond and that was difficult you know to change your mindset because you have to change your mindset from receiving praise all the time to then not receiving any praise because actually There's a ton of people who are so much more better than me. And and you have to adjust. You have to adjust. I think the main issue really, I think, was with my, because I wanted to attend the Royal College of Music, my teacher and the headmaster at the time did everything in their power to dissuade me from doing this, even though I I was so hell-bent on going here to to study. A couple of weeks before I was due to audition, and bearing in mind these auditions are hugely competitive Hugely competitive. People from all over the world travel to go to, you know, the likes of the Royal College of Music because it's one of the best music schools in Europe. Two weeks before I was due to audition, my teacher and the headmaster called a meeting with my parents and me. They basically said that they didn't feel that I should audition for anywhere because they felt I wouldn't get in and they felt it would look bad on me and look bad on, on them as an institution for allowing to audition. So you can imagine I was devastated by this because, again, you know, I wanted to I I hadn't applied to any other university to go to a normal university to go and study and do my degree. Because as far as I was concerned, I was going to get into somewhere and it it was going to be the Royal College of Music because that's where I wanted to go. And I was so determined. Yeah. And then to have the rug pulled from underneath me two weeks before was heartbreaking. But again, all it made me do was work harder. So I went from practicing already six hours a day. I the next day after that meeting, I was practicing eight or nine hours a day. Wow! Because and I think they're concerned. I could see where they were concerned, but again, it's it's not thinking outside the box. But because I'm the only one, you know, there 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 hasn't been any any one-handed pianist go through any music college in the UK. Almost me being the trailblazer of that. And and I think if you look back through history, any trailblazer, there's always people around them telling them they're doing the wrong thing. For me, that's what was happening. So I ignored them
2: (laughs) good for you (laughs) i
1: I started to do my auditions but it was apprehensive because i was thinking all the time wow what if they're right yeah if i don't get in anywhere i'm gonna have to take another gap year and i'm gonna have to apply to a normal university and and then kind of pretty much give up on my dream because the likelihood of you becoming a concert performer having not gone to an institution like the royal college of music is very very slim but anyway i i started my audition circuit and I auditioned and five of them offered me scholarships and the Royal College of Music offered me a place without a scholarship. And I chose to go to the Royal College of Music. I gave up the financial incentive because I was so determined to go to the Royal College because I felt it gave more value to me and my story and, and what I wanted. You know, people would almost expect me to go to one of the lesser known conservatoires and I wanted to go to the best of the best. Because of that reason, because people would expect me to go to here, I wanted to show them actually, no, I'm, I know I've got one hand, but I am very, very high standard pianist. And I've, I'm so high standard that the Royal College of Music in London has accepted me. That was kind of my thoughts. So you can imagine that the week after I got all of these scholarship offers and I got offered my place at the Royal College, which I was so delighted about, to tell my teacher and my, my headmaster was, was a lovely day. I'm sure it was. <laughs> it was a nice day. It was lovely that feeling of proving people wrong you know it is a nice feeling we've all done it we've all had we've all proved people wrong in our life it's a lovely feeling it was nice because i was pleased i had that strength to believe in myself and to, to ignore the noise the negativity and that noise that was around me to cut through the noise and just focus on on my goal which was to to go to the royal college
2: that is so amazing because and I, I like you said we've all been through this we've all had an opportunity to prove people wrong Jeez, I've, I've been a trailblazer as well. I'm, I'm usually the person that does what everyone else doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I mean, I very much understand the path you were on. And a lot of times people, you know, they, they share this, you know, you called it negativity and noise and stuff. And they share that usually out of concern. I mean, obviously some people are just malicious because they want to be, but most of the time people try to prevent you from doing something because they're concerned that you may fail and they don't want you to get hurt. And I understand that, you know, they're, they're, the care is there but at the same time, they're not always right. And in this in this situation, obviously, they weren't right, you know, because you knew you could me. do this.
1: Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with you. I felt with me as well, especially in the classical world. We, it's so traditional. You know, it really is. And I think they were always trying to apply this standardized blueprint onto me. Yeah, And for obvious reasons, I can't abide by that blueprint. You know, I didn't start at the age of three like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I don't have two hands like everybody else. I don't come from a privileged, wealthy background like most other people who kind of seem to make it in this, in this industry. So, you know, there were was, was so many factors, which, which I'm not the same. So, Yet at the same time, I felt this blueprint was almost being overlaid on top of me and I was expected to try and fit into it. And it just was never going to work. And as soon as I realized that and as soon as I accepted that, that's when I started having to, to be quite maverick, even more maverick and kind of think, you know, I've just got to do this as I see fit, you know, the path I see fit.
2: I'm glad you just said that. That's something that I think is very important because being in podcasting, being in music, I've heard a lot of just like you said, the standard blueprint and what it is is, you know, people, they achieve success a certain way and then they share how they did it. And most of the time it's a very standardized way, sort of like you said, with this music, and then everybody just automatically adopts that standardized blueprint because well it worked for this person so it must automatically work for everyone else so we therefore yeah. we have to teach it we have to follow it and if we don't we'll never we'll never succeed and yet there are those who come in with a different set of standards you know like you said you started at 14 instead of 3 automatically that's a different standard that's a different yeah. scenario Uh, You have one hand versus two. There's so many different things in there. And the fact that you were able to say, you know, this blueprint isn't going to work. Stop putting me under that. Uh, I mean, I think that's incredible. But how did, okay, you know, you said you had to be more of a maverick and that kind of thing. But what is it that, what did you have to do to say, I can't follow the standard blueprint. This is what I have to do in order to actually be successful now.
1: I think it was because I I could see almost I wasn't flourishing as I wanted to. Because at the same time, don't get me wrong, I kind of wanted to fit into this standardized blueprint. Sure. You know, of of classical stardom. You know, I wanted to, to do that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, when the likes of a big daytime chat show is ringing me up asked me to go on their show and that never happens with classical artists I was like oh okay so they're ringing me yeah they're not ringing any other classical artists on there so I'm going to go on the show and again people around me were saying oh you shouldn't do that it doesn't look good you know mm. oh classical music you're dumbing it down and things like that and I thought you know what this is an audience yeah. well, who else gets to go and play to four million people but I'm going to go and do it and I did and I'm, I'm pleased I did you know it gave me a fan base these kind of little things obviously it wasn't it wasn't a big moment that made me become more maverick it was kind of a realization over a certain amount of time when I kind of realized look this blueprint does work for some people but you know what it's really not going to work for me and it never has you know it was sure. looking back throughout all life you know it never has any anything like that for me this standardized journey has never never worked like that for me
2: and that's great, you know, and I think it's important to find the blueprint that does work for you. What, what was that blueprint, you know, for, for lack of a better term, but what was it that you decided to say, this is what's going to work for me and this is what I have to do in order to succeed?
1: Not relying on other people to come and make my career happen for me. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that a lot in pop with all these ready-made talent shows and things like that. You know, I think people are, are constantly just hoping that an agent comes and signs them and all of a sudden the following year they're a global superstar earning millions and millions Well that that tends not to happen now you know it tends not to happen and I wasn't certainly going to be waiting for my record deal to land on my lap and I wasn't going to be waiting for my dream agent to come and knock on my door and want to sign me and you know offer me lots and lots of contracts for things you know it, it, I wasn't going to do that so I started to I almost started to view the, the industry more as an industry so, yes, I had my performer hat on where I was very romantic about, you know, and would drift off when I'm practicing and drift off into the clouds when I'm on stage and have all this wonderful music. But when I wasn't on stage and when I wasn't practicing, I was then looking at myself as a business. Mm-hmm. And I think that was when I started to change because so many musicians, especially in the classical world, they don't, they don't see it like that. They will, will sit in a practice room for 10 hours a day and then have no one to play to because they haven't got themselves on social media and they haven't even got a website you know so how does anyone know they exist well they don't really mm. you know so it was all these things i was looking at very early on in my career trying to trying to kind of work out when i leave the royal college what am i going to do who am i going to play to who is going to buy tickets who's going to buy my album i just wanted people to enjoy what i was doing and they only do that if they know who you are and so i was always kind of you know what like i say those, that two hats one, the romantic kind of ideal of, of a concert pianist, and two, the the businessman.
2: So now, did you have help doing that, or did you go out there and research what it was like to you know, create a business around you? I mean, I'm assuming you basically branded yourself.
1: I just learned on the job, really. I branded wow. myself. I kind of made sure, and I self-produced my first album because I was doing a lot of television and radio, and you know, people were asking me, have you got an album? Well, no, unfortunately, I didn't have a record deal land on my lap, so I decided, right, I'll do my own one. And it did very well because, you know, obviously I, I earned well from, from each album sell, And, you know, every time I was on TV or radio, you know, my, my hits would go through the roof. So mm-hmm. creating opportunities for myself, because, again, these opportunities don't always land on your lap. And you do have to show, you know, I'd rather be playing to 100 people, not earning much out of it in the early, in, you know, in the early stage than playing to nobody. And, and that's how I viewed it. You know, I, I just viewed, viewed it like that. I was like, I'd rather be playing to 100 people than playing to no one. Yeah. And, and that's that's what I did. And obviously things just grew. Things just grew. And then I, you know, started to become more of a name and people then started wanting me for things. And and yeah, now obviously things are very different now. You know,
2: and I, I really appreciate, Nicholas, you know, that you do not have an entitled attitude because I think that there is, I mean, there's a lot of that, as you know, <laughs> out there. Yes. And I, I think it's really neat because like you said, you weren't waiting for something to fall into your lap because like you said, it rarely does. In fact, I don't know very many situations where people actually have something fall in their lap. And I mean, realistically, and even if it does, it's usually a very short lived success, but where the true success and the true impact comes is when people say, I know I have something here that, uh, I mean, it goes back to the whole, you nerded out about music. You had a passion for it. I mean, you were out there, researching left-hand repertoire. You were out there researching the background of it and what it was like. You were out there pushing yourself. I mean, the fact, practicing eight to nine hours a day, for, for, by the way, for for non-musicians, practicing eight to nine hours a day is a lot of work. It is very, very intense. I really do applaud you for that. So, I mean, doing what you did, going out, understanding how to figure, you know, understanding how to put together your website, your social media, your brand and everything. I mean, but you, you weren't letting people do it for you. You were doing it yourself. I mean, that is very admirable and I can see that there's so much success that has come as a result of it. So thank you by the way, for being an example, working hard and not being entitled. <laughs>
1: I really appreciate that. You know, students, music students and things, they, they come to my concerts and they ask me advice on Facebook and Twitter and things like that. And, and that is the thing I say is like, just don't expect an agent to change your life, Yeah, you know, because a lot of them just don't, some of them might, some of them might, you know, tomorrow you, your life can change because I've managed to sign, get you this record deal and you're going to be touring with this person and you've got your own solo tour next year. And yes, your life can change, but the likelihood of it is that it would be a long, slow burning thing. That's what I try to say to people is like you be your own boss until that point where you you meet somebody, you meet an agent, a manager or whoever, who then you feel definitely gets you and definitely understands where you're going and your potential. That is then the moment where you can think, OK, you know, I can I can maybe let some of the bits that I have to do, I can let some of those go and focus more on the playing because I know they've got that down and they're really good at that. You know? Yeah.
2: I think you've found that obviously your passion has been music. You went for it. You went after it. How has this translated into uh, you know, your, your life purpose mission uh, in a way that you've been able to impact those around you? I mean, obviously you have, but I'm just kind of curious to hear it from your perspective as well.
1: When I started getting asked to speak for businesses and TED Talks and things like that, because then You know, I wasn't so much Nicholas McCarthy, the pianist, but I was Nicholas McCarthy telling my story and inspiring through my words and my journey as opposed to just me playing the piano. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are their own worst enemies. You know, it's far easier to say, oh, I can't do that. As it is to say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to work. I'm going to take an hour out of my day and I'm going to research that and I'm going to develop this and and get to that stage. My kind of imparting in which I try to, to get through to people is, in life, you're going to get so much of this negativity noise around you. And I, I I use that a lot. And it's about kind of switching it off or cutting through it and focusing on your end goal. And, and believing, oh, and it sounds cheesy, it really does, but believing that anything is possible. Because I, I really do believe that. You know, if a one-armed guy from a small village in England... Is an it becomes an internationally renowned pianist, then I think, well, if I can do it, then surely you know you can apply that to other things, and and that's what I try to get through to people that you know try not to put those obstacles in your way. And that's something that
2: we we do tend to hear. In fact, I um, was recently talking about that on a on a recent episode of the Real Brian Show. Just the idea that there are just so many naysayers in this world, and again, it's not necessarily that they're trying to be malicious, but they just love imparting their negativity on others because one that's like you said, it goes back to the idea of they're concerned for you or that's all they know. They don't know that they're, they don't even understand what believing anything is possible means. Like they just, well, this is, this is my lot in life. This is all I was given. And so therefore that's all there is. And therefore that's all there is for you too. Oh my gosh, what a disservice. Uh, And I believe wholeheartedly that, like you said, cutting the negativity out of your life and believing that anything is possible that's what creates greatness. That's what allows us to impact others and be the best us.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: How did you cut that out though? I'm curious because I know um I know you heard it a lot, but what how, how were you able to filter it and say, okay, I'm not gonna listen to that. Like I appreciate what you have to say, but I'm not gonna internalize that.
1: You know, I I think to an extent I do internalize it, but I kind of I kind of use it as fuel. That's how I think I do. You know, I, I do say to people, try and cut the noise out, but actually I don't think I do. I probably absorb it. And and I, I thrive off it. I thrive off negativity. And I think to a certain extent, I've had to. You know, I've had because I've had so much of it. There's only so much you can cut out. Yeah. So I think I learned how to to use that as a positive, to use it as as strength. You know, to use it as as somewhere where I can then aim further and higher. And and I think and I, and I think that's that's very true. I think anybody can do that. To so, learn so, how to, to to change that from a negative to a positive. So, what's an example
2: of that? Because I'm trying to understand, you know, what you're saying there is that somebody says a comment to you, and you're turning it to, to fuel. But uh, what would be like an example of a comment that somebody said to you that you actually turned into something that fueled you forward?
1: I'll give you an example. I this was then this was last year. So again, you know, I get, neg- I get negative comments, and and they're not being horrible. You know, so this guy, a critic, wrote a wonderful review. of of one of my performances and I saw him a week later at an event and I spoke to him and said, thank you so much for such a lovely review. Thank you. I'm so pleased you enjoyed it. And he said, oh, it really was wonderful. But, you know, I was thinking on the journey home after your performance, what a shame that you can't really have a a recording career. Well, that was like red rag to a ball because, (laughs) and I kind of used that negativity to fire me up. I used it to get fire in my belly. Less than a year yet later, I signed my record deal with Warner Music. Wow. You know, that, that's what I did. It, it gave me that almost like a kick. It gave me a kick to think, oh, I can't have people think that I can't have a recording career. I want a major label deal. You know, I don't just want to go and self-produce another album. I wanted to do it in the big, the big way. It's that kind of getting that fire in my belly. I use that negativity to, to create that fire that I need to push me to go and achieve something.
2: That's incredible. Okay, so people come to you, they say something specific in a negative way and you take that and say that's what I'm going to do. I mean, assuming that it fits. Like sometimes somebody's going to say something to you that might be negative and you just say, you know, I don't I don't even need to listen yeah, to that like, at all. But
1: obviously, sometimes I'm just not I'm not that fire isn't going to light, you know, I'm just sure, I'm not sure. bothered about it. I mean, I'm hoping someone can come up to me and say, "Nicholas, you're never going to be a multimillionaire." <laughs> Because then, hopefully, I'll get that fire in my head. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so when, when somebody says, you can be a multimillionaire, Nick, Nicholas, is, is that a fire enough to say, I can do this? Or do you need people to come up to you I and say, yeah, that you'll
1: that never make it? Next- i think i do i think i thrive far i respond to it something it does something to me it creates a little bit of an anger a little bit of an underlying something and i think that's what i need so yeah a bit of that. so if you if your listeners can just tweet me saying you're never going to become <laughs> multimillionaire, millionaire, then watch this space for a year <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh i love that i don't respond to negativity as well as i think you do but i think i like your uh, approach and I'm, I'm gonna learn from that I th- <laughs> i'm gonna be inspired by your approach
1: I always say, you know, if I can just inspire one person and that makes me the happiest man on earth. So, you know, you can imagine how I feel when I get these messages all the time. It's, it's, it makes everything worthwhile. It really does.
2: That's so great. You know, and honestly, I think that's, it goes back to, like you said, that's the greatest thing you can do is do something that one, you know, you love and have a passion for, but two, you're also very good at, and then three impacting somebody in a way that can, you know, help to change their life. I mean, that's, that's far greater than money or anything else, and and yeah. I, uh, you know, you I know people want that. That's the thing, people, and it doesn't matter what people are doing. Like they don't have to get up and be a concert pianist to inspire others. There's so yeah. many things every one of us can do. We're all different. We all have those individual unique talents. So I'll, I'll, one more question I'll ask you on this though: Do you think that you can achieve the level of? Oh, I don't know what the word is here. I'm, Cause I'm success is not the right word, but basically do you think you can get to where you were, you know, where you're at right now? Do you think anyone can get to where you're at in a way that is successful, but also an inspiration to others? Do you think you can do that easily or do you think it's always going to be a very tough and challenging and yet rewarding, of course journey?
1: I think absolutely. I mean, I think anything is possible and then and I say it, you know, all the time, but it comes with a price. It comes with extremely hard work. You have to have a very thick skin. You have to, you know, be able to use negativity as fuel and and all of these things, which I've, I've done um, and continue to do. But yes, I definitely think that, you know, it's possible.
2: Anything good is not easy.
1: No, absolutely. But it's worth it. If if it was easy, we'd all be doing it. Yeah. It helps to have natural flair and ability. Mm -hmm. But definitely, you can hone yourself and hone your mindset and your psyche into creating what you want to create.
2: Absolutely, I love that. Well, share a piece of encouragement here.
1: I would say to focus on where you want to be. Use visualization. You know, I often imagine what I want to be doing. You know, I imagined signing my record contract, and less than a year later, I was doing it. I imagined when I was younger. I imagined me walking out on stage. I could see it in my mind's eye, walking on stage to thousands of people. Less than ten years. That's what I'm doing for, for my job. Visualize where you want to be. Visualize your end. Get you know where where you where you want to. Your vision of success. See it in your mind's eye and use it. And use that passion. Use that that uh, visual aspect to drive you through it and to f- keep you focused and to, to get fire in your belly. And if you're like me and you, you need to swallow some negativity in order to get fire in your belly, then do it. If not, then cut through the negativity. Ignore it. Filter it out.
2: I love that. Nicholas, thank you so much for sharing all of this. How do we get in touch with you and what would you like us to know about? You can
1: find out more about me on by my website, NicholasMcCarthy.co.uk, or come and say hi on Twitter. I'm N McCarthy Piano. And on Facebook, Nicholas McCarthy Pianist, and the same on YouTube. So would be lovely to to hear from some of your listeners and get them to to engage with me and come and say hi and share your thoughts. And yeah, definitely.
2: Absolutely. We'll do. And of course, that'll be all in the show notes too. So that way, you know, in case anyone misses all of that, go click on it, but yes, please connect with Nicholas and Nicholas. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. It was super, super encouraging and inspiring. I, I really appreciate your time and opportunity to chat with you.
1: pleasure Thank you so much. Some
2: incredible inspiration and hopefully a great thing to leave you with as we wrap up. 2016 here on the real brian show so thank you for joining me again i know it's only been a few episodes started in october took a couple of weeks to you know fine tune a little bit came back technically on episode five even though there's you know does it five or six other episodes that are out as bonus episodes but 2017 is going to be a very strong year for the real brian show and i just want to say thank you very much for joining the real Brian show early on. And for those of you who, you know, have been with me since the beginning. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate the loyalty there and the encouragement and the feedback and all of that great stuff. It's, it's just really, really, really cool. So something I'm very thankful for. So thanks for joining me though, but definitely want to wish you a Merry Christmas, happy new year. Enjoy. Have a great time. I I really do hope you get to take some time off and enjoy the season and not just be so rushed around and everything else and, Uh, But again, thank you for being with me. Realbryanshow.com. Do get in contact with me. You know I'd love to hear from you. And have an awesome two weeks. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Real Brian signing off.
0: The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at
1: 514mediaempire.com.